another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it's a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us, as well as to be joined by Kyle Bailey. He's the host from 10 to 2 on our flagship WFNZ, as well as the host of the pregame and the postgame shows on WFNZ. He's working very hard all hours of the day and night, and we appreciate him giving us a little bit more of his time here on the HHC for the first time. Thanks so much, Kyle. Well, I appreciate the invitation, sir. We do talk a lot, but a little more won't hurt, right? Not at all, not at all. So I want to set the stage. There's a big game today. I think you might have heard about it. The Ball Bowl. We've had a number of names come out about it. I want to set the stage for you, give you a little preview of what I'm marinating on for uh, for my opener to the game. So it's January. Two siblings known by only their first name nationwide playing on a pro court against one another for the very first time, their dad having worked with them for years towards this moment with visions of greatness ahead. You could have said that in 1998 about Venus and Serena Williams, and today we're going to talk about it the same way for Lonzo and LaMelo Ball. How's that sound? I think that is a great way to introduce what's about to happen tonight. I, I can't wait for this. The uh, the, the game is, is going to be so much fun for so many reasons already because, you know, the Hornets just won and, and you know, finally snapped a three-game win streak. You have Alonzo and LaMelo. You've got Diane Williamson on the other side, Brandon Ingram. A lot of things to be excited about, but obviously Lonzo LaMelo takes center stage. And, you know, that's what the nation cares about. And that's, quite frankly, you know, part of the, I guess, upside to drafting a talented kid like LaMelo. And there aren't many like him. You know, he, he's talented, but he also brings a lot of eyeballs. And this is just, I think, an early taste, Sam. And I think you probably thought about this as well, an early taste of what may be to come in terms of excitement, primetime national television games, just the fun that might be in store for Hornets fans over the next couple of years. We've been able to watch for the last couple of weeks that it factor to LaMelo's game, but it's been there around these guys basically the last five years since they teamed up in high school when LaMelo was a freshman and Lonzo was a senior. Now you fast forward, we're basically five years later, and that it factor still exists. That That's difficult to keep around. I mean, Zion Williamson might be the only other person in the world who really knows what that feels like, having become a dunk sensation, a YouTube sensation in high school, and having been able to carry that out through at the highest levels in college and now in the pros. Uh, Outside of those three, I can't think of someone since LeBron who had that kind of fanfare as a teenager in high school and kept it going at the highest level. There have been very few. You're right. And I was, you know, it's a great point that you raise about the fame the celebrity that these athletes have enjoyed well before they got to the professional level and certainly before they even got to the collegiate level. Previous athletes of prior generations have no idea what that's like. We have, you know, people in our position, media types, radio folks, television press, I mean, they've never, they've never covered or had never covered these types of athletes before. And so I, I think just in terms of our own expectations as, as they grow older and, and get to the collegiate level and or jumping to the pros, you know, the, the things that we think they'll be and the way that we evaluate these prospects, even the pros who do it for a living, you know, I think it's different for them as well. But in a very cool kind of way, we're seeing the evolution of how sports are you know, growing and how we'll, we'll watch and consume them in the future. And the mellow ball at 19 years old has a chance to be one of the central figures in the future of sports. I think that's really exciting for Charlotte. In 1998, when Venus and Serena met, it was round two of the Australian Open. It was not 
seen as a great match, quite frankly, in terms of the head-to-head rivalry as Serena held in there for the first uh, set and then Venus kind of steamrolled her the rest. But it was just a glimpse at what might be to come. And we didn't know then that they would go on to transcend their sport or sports in general and become icons, become leaders. But for that one moment, it was the beginning, and it had to start somewhere. And it feels a little bit like this. Obviously, any stage in the NBA is a big one, but this is a a random game on a random night, and yes, there will be national attention on it, but we really have no idea what is in store for these two young men in their careers, and that's kind of the fun about it is that the, the possibilities are limitless. Sure. And look, there are our three ball brothers, Alonzo and Lamelo. clearly are, are the two headline makers right now. And, and maybe that changes with LiAngelo at some point. But, you know, it's Lonzo, it's Lamelo, And, and you, you brought, I'm so glad you brought up Venus and Serena to start this conversation because there have been plenty of, of great athletic siblings throughout the, the modern history of sport. But, you know, there, there's a much shorter list of siblings who were all-time greats. And we don't know what the ball brothers will ultimately be or how history will, you know, look back on them when their careers are finished. But Peyton and Eli Manning and the Klitschko brothers, Reggie and Cheryl Miller and the Harbaugh brothers and, you know, some of the great siblings throughout sports. What can LaMelo and Lonzo, you know, accomplish both individually, but, you know, as members of the same family, it's it's really neat, isn't it? I mean, these are the kind of stories that make us love sports even more. And the other tie-in, I think, between the families is the role of the dad. You know, Venus and Serena's dad got a lot of flack at the time about how he train them and how much pressure he may or may not have been putting on them and all the while it felt like watching those two play they love the sport so much not in spite of their dad or in spite of what he did but partially because of it and partially just because they did love tennis and you see the same thing here LeVar has caught a lot of flack for his bombast and his proclamations but at the end of the day you look at his kids they are happy they are good citizens. They're good interviews. They're good people. I don't know what more you want to ask of someone other than as a father to have your kids be successful and be good people. And, uh, you know, while some of his proclamations might be a bit over the top, you know what? I, I'm sure today as a dad is going to be one of the best days of his life. Oh, no question. And I think you summed it up perfectly right there. There's not much I can add to that other than. You know, I was not a fan of the theatrics, uh, of the bluster, of a lot of things when it first was a, I guess, the first time it was a phenomenon. But you know, there's a lot that's changed since then. And when the when the Hornets obviously were in a position to possibly land Lamelo Ball on my show on FNC, I continued to say, look, I'm not sure about Lamelo the prospect. I think he's obviously got talent, but the truth is, I don't watch much Australian basketball. You know, I, I didn't watch it much in Lithuania. I didn't see much of his time at Spires Academy. I've watched things on YouTube. You know, I've seen games. I've seen highlight uh, reels and things like that. But you know, I, I think he could be pretty good. I also know that he's going to come with a lot of baggage. And and while the easy and kind of lazier thing to do might be to write off the kid because of the way Lamar was introduced to the world and because of whatever you may think of Lonzo, I said, he, he's his own man, much like we all are, and we're all our own individuals. And you, you read a story on The Athletic right before the draft about how much he was liked at, at this fire academy by his teammates, by his teachers, by his coaches. And so there was a picture painted of a much more humble and well-adjusted, likable young man that I think the public was really allowed to see or could see. I, I'm not sure which, but it, it's just cool to see that he's turned out to be such an infectious, joyous, 
enthusiastic member of that team, and it shows when he's out there on the floor. He's someone the Hornets can't wait to share with the fandom and the public here in the Queen City, and uh, you know we certainly hope that at some point here in 2021 uh, we're able to have fans in, but the buzz is already building for the following season, and season ticket packages are available for 2021-2022. You can guarantee your price right now. For more information, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to live chat with a season ticket representative. something I feel like it's probably gonna be my family like they probably gonna be the ones getting all the joy out of it and stuff like me and him probably just going out there both trying to get a win for our team I mean yeah when we was younger we always talked about it I mean we always knew we was going to the league so now the time has finally come so yeah we both excited pretty much the goals and everything always been the same we knew we were gonna go to the league and we want to be successful in the league and be hall of famers so that's what we're working for now. That was Mellow Ball speaking yesterday. I've got Kyle Bailey here with me on 10-2 to 2 on WFNZ, as well as he'll be hosting the pregame show tonight. You better get ready, Kyle. Uh, Mellow talking about going up against his brother. He, he said it'll mean more to the family than to he and Lonzo individually in the moment. I would imagine that would probably be true for most people. I mean, if you're playing in an NBA game, you have to be focused on what you're doing, and while you might want to soak in a moment or two, you can't really get lost in, wow, I'm playing my brother, or else your brother might score 40 on you, and that'll be at the end of that day. Oh, without question. And, look, he's a competitor. He's been, even at a young age, he's been, been through a lot already athletically on the basketball floor. He, he's such a natural that he just sees and does and feels things that the guys who are five years his elder either can't yet or, or may never will. And so I, I say that to say the basketball side of it comes naturally to him, but it's always in situations like these, and I say like these, just anything that could be overwhelming to a degree like that, you would worry about it overwhelming him. But I don't know. I, I don't think that he'd be so much overwhelmed by the moment itself as the, the things that come around with the moment, because as you just alluded to, there's a lot with it. But man, isn't it cool to see two brothers lining up opposite of each other on an NBA floor, whether that's the starting tip-off or you know, the first substitution, whatever that looks like tonight, it's going to be so, so cool to watch this happen. And I, I get what he's saying. You know, we, we see it differently. We always will. And we think it's cool for different reasons. But, man, it's just cool all the way around the board. Yeah, probably similar to, you know, you can't get all caught up with, wow, that's Kevin Durant on the other side, or that's LeBron James, or that's Gordon Hayward. Yeah, absolutely. You're right about that. For, for the same, you know, for similar reasons, I, I think you're right. But that, that's the one thing, and I think, Sam, you probably agree with this, and I, and I believe James Borrego said a good deal of this, uh, after they beat the Hawks the other night, when, when he was very much smitten with his new young point guard, he, he's comfortable, he doesn't ever seem overwhelmed by the moment out there. Everything about him looks comfortable and fluid and confident when he's out there. Would you agree? I would. In fact, you know, the other quote I just played from LaMelo, he's basically saying this is step one to the Hall of Fame. This today is not the goal. This is not the dream. The dream is in Springfield, Massachusetts, to some decades from now. So I guess when you're looking at things through that lens, you... I don't want to say gloss over this individual moment, but you know this moment isn't quite as big as it is for you. And, and I think we saw that during the draft too. You know, for a lot of guys, and and there, there's no right or wrong here. I'm not saying Mello is right or the other guys are right or or, or whatnot. But you saw the way that Obi Toppin and Onyeka Kongwu reacted to being drafted. Uh, Obi Toppin, you know, a, a lightly recruited kid out of high school who just blew up in college and grew and had this big growth spurt and game. 
uh, grew by leaps and bounds and earned every you know bit of his being a lottery pick. Onyeko Kongwu, the, the tragedy that happened with his older brother early in his life and being able to fulfill that dream for both he and his brother. There were, there were a lot of reasons, a lot of emotions were flowing there for both those people. For LaMelo, it was like, this is supposed to happen. I've been told my whole life I'm going to be drafted. I'm going to go to the NBA. I'm going to go to the Hall of Fame. Why wouldn't I assume I'm going in the lottery? You know, it's so interesting. And here's why. Because I, I, you said something there that I, I thought was really critical to what you just said a moment ago but about, you know, the Hall of Fame, the first steps of the Hall of Fame. You know, Sam, we, we all played sports to varying degrees and, and to varying success and for varying lengths of time. But, you know, at, at some point in time, we all probably said something along the lines of, I'm going to be a Hall of Famer one day. I, how cool would it be to be a Hall of Famer one day? We, we've all said some degree of that or thought how cool that would be. But it's something altogether different to be a guy who says, I'm going to be a Hall of Famer one day. And he, and he both has the talent and, and the physical abilities. And then also people around him, a past that's been kind of blazed for him to a degree with the family that he's in and, and the brother in the NBA. There's an understanding that comes with that. And there's a focus that comes with that. Now, again, it's not just as easy as saying it, but he, he's got all the tools to do something like that. I think we're, we're seeing some of that early on. If he puts in the work, if, if he wants to be coached, and with a little bit of luck. You know, Hall of Fame careers do take a couple of breaks to go your way, but I, I think it's cool that, that he sang that day one, hey, this is step one toward the Hall of Fame. you got to aim high. And sometimes people forget to aim high and, you know, don't know quite how to, and <laughs> the, the best ones tend to. So, I don't know. I, I, it's just an exciting era of time for Charlotte Hornets basketball. There is no doubt about that, and uh, we look forward to having, again, the fans in the stands. But right now, all we can offer for you is the opportunity to tune in. You can watch every Hornets game live on Fox Sports Southeast and the Fox Sports Go app. Or, of course, you can listen on WFNZ and the Hornets mobile app. Kyle Bailey has you for the pregame and the postgame each and every game on our flagship station, WFNZ. I think it just shows that all the hard work paid off. You know, we're really close. We grew up together doing the same things, even though he's a lot younger than I am. So it's just it's a good thing to see, you know, all the hard work pay off that my dad put in with us, you know, my family. Just all the hills we were running, all the times we were playing on the court and, you know, ended up getting us both to where we wanted to go. Obviously, I went the more traditional route. He um, didn't. But at the end of the day, we both ended up where we wanted to be. Like I said, hard work definitely pays off. No matter who you are, you know, you put your mind to something, you can do it. I really believe that. So... I mean, it worked for me, it worked for him. So that's what I would tell you know, the kids today growing up as well. That right there was Lonzo Ball talking more like this was an arrival, Kyle, than this was just a, a blip on the radar. Uh, could have been the questions he was asked. The siblings, after all, they, they don't see you know what the other one said. The, the press uh, availabilities were back-to-back. But still, it, it's interesting that the elder brother – looked at this more as an achievement to be cherished and less so as an assumption that it was all always going to happen. Just kind of an appreciation for the journey to this point. And certainly he has higher aspirations than playing his brother one time, but uh, maybe that older brother wisdom of knowing, hey, th- this wasn't as easy as we might have made it appear or it might have felt to little brother. We we all had to work hard and it should be cherished. Well, for sure. And, and that's, he said the right thing. You, you have to, as best you can, force yourself to think that way. But there's no overlooking the fact that 
th- these brothers are three years apart and outside of pickup games and, and backyard hoops, they've never played against each other. This is going to be brand new for everyone. So I, I think he almost has to downplay that because he understands that, you know, it, there, there's not necessarily an enormity that comes with that, but it's, it's very, very neat. It's, it's a novelty, certainly, that, that these guys have never faced each other in organized basketball. That's a special component to this, too. So ESPN's got a good one on his hands tonight. Yeah. I, I think also, you know, I think siblings – see the possible or they maybe don't see just the possible as what the eldest achieved in the family it's it's beyond that you know kids don't look at their parents and say well my goal in life is to be exactly like them it's to take it one step further I'm sure you know even Bronny James I'm sure he doesn't look at dad and say man I hope you know just one day I you know at, at this stage of his life and his development you know I can be as good or half as good as dad. He wants to be better than dad and, and mellow too. He, like you said, there's a three year gap. So he saw his brother go into the NBA, be a number two overall pick, have early success, be on, you know, some big name teams with big name players and hold his own and earn his spot. And he's not looking at that saying, man, I hope I can get that too. He's looking at that saying, all right, there's the bar. Yeah. And, and as someone who has a little brother who was a better athlete and who also went on to play professionally, you know, I, I, I can tell you watching little brother is also a very cool thing. Now uh, I'm no real Lonzo ball in this equation, but you know, I can also tell you that from Lonzo's perspective as a big brother with a successful athlete for a younger brother, it's, it's very neat to watch that success and to watch that climb. And for them to, as, as an older brother, again, to watch them pick up on things maybe that didn't come as easily to you but they may have seen you struggle with them, right? Or they may have seen you try to overcome it, figure it out for yourself, and uh, unwittingly or unknowingly at the time that they were, you know, you were giving them the way to do it easier, right? And it's a, it's a cool thing. It's a proud moment for a big brother. I think Lonzo is going, part of that excitement for him tonight is going to be the pride, I'm sure, you know, that, that he's going to be fighting seeing his little brother out there in an NBA uniform with him. The headline is the Ball Brothers going head-to-head, but there are so many more stars on the floor. You've got Gordon Hayward coming off a career-high effort in the win over Atlanta. Zion Williamson and uh, Brandon Ingram are both on the other side for New Orleans, both off to outstanding starts, Ingram in particular. How much is, you know, the first five minutes really about the Ball Brothers, or maybe the first five minutes they're on the floor together, but the game has little to do with them outside of their individual roles, as consequential as they may be, on their own team. Oh, for sure. And like I said, that will be the headline. And that's how we've been kind of discussing this a little bit so far this week here on FND, or I say here, that's a reflex. You know, on FND, is that, uh, you know, that's, that's the big national storyline, but there are so many others. Because this, this Pelicans Hornets team, I mean, let me ask you real quick, Sam, like, if you were a casual viewer, how much, do you, how much would this game pull you in? if it was nationally televised on a Friday night? I think it would pull me in because I, you know, have always had this knowledge of the Ball Brothers. The Hornets versus the Pelicans, based off their team's result the last couple of years, looking at it from an objective national perspective, neither team has necessarily been world beaters. So, you know, it's not the biggest draw in that sense, but you have big stars. You've got an all-star in Gordon Hayward. You've got an all-star talent in, in Williamson and Ingram on the other side, and then these two brothers that have been the storyline. But I think, to your point, you know, from a national perspective, I don't think if the Ball brothers are not in this game that this is necessarily a national game, even though neither one at this stage of their careers is the leading man on their team. Yeah, I, I would agree with a big part of that. I do think, though, it's I guess it depends on what kind of sports fan, what kind of basketball fan you are. Someone like me or you, we're, we're diehard basketball fans, so 
I, I've, I've been in love with the NBA since I was a kid, so I'm, I might be more inclined to stop than others. But when I see, you know, the Ball brothers, as you just pointed out, you know, I, I know Gordon Hayward. I, maybe I saw he just put up 44 points the other night. Then I see on the other side, who's Zion Williamson? He's healthy. Oh, he's playing well to start the season. 21 points, 8 rebounds a game. Oh, Brandon Ingram, uh, most improved player. No, Brandon Ingram, big year. J.J. Redick, legend. Right? So there are some names out there in this game, to your larger point, that make it very interesting to those of us who are going to be watching and, and make it very interesting to talk about because this should be a really fun competitive game or at least i hope it will be based on the way the hornets played last time out against atlanta this one has the potential to not just feature some names that people know this has the potential to be a good ball game certainly does and, and new orleans you know it's a team somewhat similar i think to the hornets in the sense that they are not dependent on Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson or Lonzo Ball, as great as those talents are, all of them were top three picks uh, when they came into the to the NBA. Uh, you know they play very well together and off one another. And you know maybe part of the reason they're not above five hundred just yet is that they haven't figured out exactly how to feature one more than the other. But I, I would say that you know in terms of the overall season and, and looking towards the postseason, you'd almost want them all to have somewhat equal roles or equal responsibilities and the ability to lead their team any given night. Yeah, I think the, the phrase that I asked you maybe a week or two ago was, you know, is, is there such thing as too much ball movement? And both of you and I know that as far as coaches go, <laughs> they couldn't fathom a thing, you know, such a thing as too much ball movement. But you know, what I did mean by that was you picked up on it was that sometimes it seems like there are some possessions where they're not sure who's supposed to take the shot. And and that's not the worst thing in the world because they are sharing the basketball. They are they have been near the top of the league and assists as a team. It's great. I, I did, though, love what I saw from Gordon Hayward because it felt like Hayward, being an 11-year veteran, looking like he's feeling very good against Atlanta the other night, he, he seemingly knew – as soon as he started to heat up, it might be his night, and they needed a win, and he kind of put him on his shoulders. So I don't think you need or even want Gordon Hayward to feel like he has to do that too often, but often enough, maybe early in the season, until they can figure out the balance of powers you were just talking about. Oh, I would I would absolutely agree with that, because Gordon Hayward, you're, you're right. I think him coming to Charlotte had something to do with him wanting a larger role than he had in Boston, but I don't think he would say, look, I, I want to be in a place where I need to score 40 a night or we're in trouble. He's not in that place right now, but it's nice to know that he's you know at least demonstrated to his teammates what it looks like when a superstar is feeling it and says, hey, give me the ball, not because I don't trust you, but because you all have to be realizing what's going on with me right now. Let's get me going here let's fill up this stat column fill up the scoreboard and put some distance between us and our opponent yeah this is an unselfish basketball team so they were happy to do it you, you want to make sure they don't get over relied upon that that so they continue to do what they've done when it's been working obviously you don't want to emulate things when they haven't played well but largely their struggles like you and i talked about have been at this point it's not making open shots i i, I know philly's good you know philly's good and, and no one expected them to beat philly twice in a row up there at the wells fargo center but you know the, the lack of open shots or rather the the ability to knock down open shots against several opponents so far that's concerning i'm sure to james borrego because when you make a decision to play some small ball and then you're sort of forced to play a good deal of small ball because you only have bismack beyond on the front court well that necessitates knocking down open jump shots and, and they've just been spotty in, in that way so if they can figure that out sam you and i, I think both agree they're going to be in a good place last one for you kyle as we prepare for tonight's game hornets and pelicans this podcast with about no, five ten percent of it left has been, I'd say, eighty percent mellow and ten percent Gordon Hayward in the field. 
what has the chatter been like on WFNZ, on your show and the others, leading up to this game and through this this first portion of the season? How, how much of it centers around LaMelo and how much is around Gordon Hayward and or the rest of the team? I, you know, I think LaMelo and, and Gordon Hayward, well, let me back up. I think LaMelo has been a headline maker in a way that we haven't seen here in Charlotte before. And I mean that with all due respect to Kimball Walker, who, again, was his own sort of headline maker. You know, Kimball was a, you know, built from scratch, self-made. Not many people thought that he was going to become an, an all-NBA caliber point guard in the NBA, and he worked and willed his way in that, becoming the leading scorer in franchise history. Lamelo's a little bit different, but it's been Lamelo. It's been Gordon's arrival. It's also been about Terry Rozier, who has been a machine to start the season. Now, I mean, I, I know he's settled down a little bit here in the last two or three games, but it's not as if he's fallen off the map. He just had a modest night. You know, against the Atlanta Hawks, but Terry has been fantastic. And that, I also think, has been really good for LaMelo and for the rest of his team. To see a couple of guys in Rozier and Hayward, the, the two vets, the two star vets on this team, you know, on, even after a compacted offseason and all the things they've been through, not playing in nine and a half months, to show up in shape, to show up ready to go and playing well, you know, and they hit the ground running. And I think that even if some of these young guys weren't able to do that right away with them this year. They saw it happen. They see what it takes, and, and you hope that that's the sort of influence that helps to build habits for the future. Kyle Bailey, I started this podcast taking us back in the time machine to January 1998 and Venus and Serena Williams and making that comparison of those iconic siblings known by their first names nationally with a dad who helped lead them to the, the glory of athletic greatness and then their overall imprint on society. Since this is a podcast, it can live on on the web forever. be interesting to see what we uh, find of it in 2044 as we look back at uh, what happened to the Ball Brothers. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I look forward to reminiscing with you in 2044. We're putting it in the time capsule 2044. Kyle and I are going to grab a beer and come back and listen to the old podcast, the old HHC, and talk about whatever happened of LaMelo and Lonzo. Kyle Bailey, you can hear him 10 to 2 every weekday on WFNC. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate you, buddy. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hotcast.